It's the Great Dante Read-Through. It's the Great Dante Read-Through, where we are reading through all of the comic strip, The Adventures of Nikolai Dante. Co-created by Robbie Morrison and Simon Fraser from the weekly science fiction anthology comic, 2000 AD. I'm Simon Fraser. And I'm Edie Nugent, freelance writer and Simon's wife. Join us as we swashbuckle our way through the Russian Empire of the future. Warning, there will be spoilers. We will be talking in depth about these comics, so if you haven't read them yet, listen at your own risk. To join our book club and read along with us, go to shop.2000ad.com to pick up the books in hard copy or digital. Today we're reading The Cruel Seas and Requiem for Lost Love, found in Progs 1148 through 1150. Hi, Simon. Hey, Edie. And hello, Irregulars. Welcome to the Great Dante Read-Through. Hello, Irregulars. Uh, we want to uh, throw a couple of thank yous out. First to Content Colin Content for the Colin. suggestion. Uh, he posted it on the 2000 AD forums. And Wooly Russell, who also posted this idea on our Facebook page, the Great Dante Read-Through Facebook page. By virtue of the fact that two people have voted for it, it wins. Yes, it wins. We've got two votes. It's also, also the best one. Yeah, also it's the one we like the best. It seems it seems right thematically. Um, so, yeah. And uh, I do have a bunch of Willie's other suggestions. suggestions at the. We'll, we'll save that for the end <laughs> there. Um, oh, God. <laughs> they're, they're, Brace yourselves. They're creative. Um, so, uh, Content Colin, we have already given you a no prize. So, you get um, a... Metaphorical gold star. Hearty congratulations. Yes. Uh, we appreciate you continuing to live up to your name. Yeah, you get um, the, the, the new prize with oak leaves. <laughs> and uh, Willie Russell, if you're listening, please um, DM either Simon or myself on Twitter. Uh, you can shoot us a message on Facebook, whatever you like. Let us know your email address so we can get your no prize to you. So, yes, welcome, Irregulars. Uh, so, so what are we doing today? We are, well, we're going to start off with Cruel Seas. Cruel Seas. Which is right in front of you there. It is, yes. And uh, who wrote it, who drew it, who colored it, who lettered it? Uh, well, it was written by uh, Mr. Robert Gardner Morrison. That's his middle name, real middle name. Is it really Gardner? Yes, Gardner, yes. Mm. Uh, it was drawn, this time, by John M. Burns. Um mm. This is obviously a very historic moment for Dante because uh, the first time John Burns has drawn it and, of course, he's become very, very important to the strip as we go forward, uh, especially with the characters he's about to introduce uh, and create. Uh, so anyway, it's, it's, this is a, a momentous episode in that sense. It is lettered by Annie Parkhouse, as ever. Okay. And um, as you can see, uh, John M. Burns has painted the whole thing. Well, he's rather, he's drawn the line work and he's colored it. With uh, I think watercolor of some kind. I'm not sure exactly his process. All right, but well, it is a wonderful thing. 
Let's dig in. Uh, we begin, it is a 2668 still. We are still in that year, mm -hmm. and we are on the Pacific Ocean north of the Bismarck Archipelago. And a ship is drifting along, a sailing ship is drifting along with a broken sail, it looks Corral. like. I was going to ask what that says. I was having trouble. It's a reference. It's a, it's a reference to something, the Quarrel. Um this is escaping me. Okay, it'll come back to me. I don't know. There was yeah. a Professor Quirrell in Harry Potter, but I'm guessing that that is not. I know it's is. an older, it's, it's an older reference well. than that. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, it'll come back. That's to just me. me being cheeky. Sure. Um, okay, so the you the ship cheeky? is <laughs> the ship is not looking great, right? The sail is kind of like flopped over. I mean, it's... is it broken? Like, what's going on there? I don't know. It isn't even a sailing ship. I mean, it's it's a it's a a motorboat with a sail. Strange. Okay. Very odd. Okay. Um, well, it's just sort of drifting along in any way, mm -hmm. uh, in any case. And the crew see something ahead of them in the gloom. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nighttime and sort of misty. It's a spaceship, sort of. Well, it's actually a ship. Is it a ship? Yeah, it's. It looks it's to me like of, a spaceship hovering above the water. It's some These kind not... of hydrofoil. Okay. It's a, a futuristic ship. In fact, a futuristic pirate ship. Right, and it says Marauder on it, and mm -hmm. it's got a skull and crossbones. And you know what this looks so much like to me the minute I saw it, what I thought of? Mm -hmm. The theme-building restaurant at LAX Airport, at the airport in Los Angeles. Theme restaurant? You mean the, the, the old Pan Am building? It's No, the old Pan Am building is... Are you thinking of the TWA? TWA like, building, no, no, sorry. No, that's in New York. This is, it's called the theme building. Theme I, building. I pointed it out to you when we landed in, in Los Angeles. Okay. It, was, it looks like a spaceship. Okay. Um, it was a restaurant. It's a mid-century modern. It was built in the 60s. And it does nothing. It's just a restaurant. It mm -hmm. looks like it's this big, important building, but it, it mm -hmm. actually serves no function. It looks so much like this that I wonder, why would John M. Burns be referencing the spaceship restaurant from... Well, I mean, Los Angeles Airport. Okay, here's the thing about John M. Burns as uh, as an artist is he's now, I think, in his eighties, so his reference points, cultural reference points, are fairly uh, fairly far in the past. So his, I mean, he he grew up in what um, I don't know. I, I hesitate to say the okay. the fifties and sixties. If you Google theme building, okay, LAX, I, I, be, I believe you. Yeah, look at I, this. I know, I know, I know, I know. It looks identical. Well, ish. Anyway, okay. but the thing about it is, is that the, the, one of the reasons <laughs> that we wanted or Burns to do this is mm -hmm. because he was one of the original touchstone artists for the design of Dante in the first place, because he's drawing on uh, visual cultural traditions that go back pre-Star Wars. Mm -hmm. The pulp um, stuff. The pulp stuff. Um, all this old old-fashioned sci-fi art. Chesley, um, Alex Raymond, Chesley Bonestall, um, all the old paperback artwork that was sci-fi until basically everything up to forbidden planet and then from forbidden planet you basically got 2001 and everything after 2001 is different that's kind of modern sci-fi by my right. definition anyway so um 2000 AD is firmly of the modern sci-fi school more or less um, um but we were drawing on the comics that had come before 2000 AD Things like Dan Dare, things like the Trigon Empire, um, things that come with this sort of retro, old school sci-fi that draws from the from the from the past, uh, from the Roman Empire. From uh, in our case, we're using Napoleonic iconography. So, um, 
So Ron Embleton, the Trigon Empire, was, was, a, was a touchstone for this. Um, and we wanted that kind of retro sci-fi. So we wanted to deliberately do a retro sci-fi epic. Okay. Right? So John M. Burns is definitely in that school. So when he decided that he wanted to do this, he wanted to he, he volunteered for this job. Um, we didn't put him up for it. He just said he wanted to do it. Uh, we were very, very happy because he's authentic. He's the real deal. I'm just mimicking it in my clumsy uh, Euro trash way. He's actually real old school sci-fi art. So okay. his references are all so, that way. So uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he'd be referencing some sort of mid-century modern thing. I mean, he's referencing streamlining. Okay. Old-fashioned streamlining artwork. Yeah. Okay. So stuff he saw when he was a kid coming right. out of the war would be that. Okay. Um, stuff my dad thought was cool, you know, mm -hmm. old, old modernist sports cars from the 50s yeah. and 60s, that okay. kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so this uh, hydrofoil... Mm -hmm. floating spaceship, whatever you want to call it, is, yep. is gliding over the, just, just skimming the surface of the water. Indeed. Um, and it's marked Marauder. It has the skull and crossbones. And the captain of the other lesser motorboaty sail ship yes. uh, says, buy Shimura's blade when he sees it. So mm. that's your Shimura, right? Reference, yeah. Reference. Reference. Subtle, yeah. Yes. <laughs> no reason. Who who uh, wrote that when you were when you worked on Shimura? Shimura? Yeah. Uh, that would be Robert Gardner Morrison. It was a Robert Gardner Morrison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it was okay. him. Yeah. So he's was, referencing. He's okay. referencing himself. Okay. So this guy looks very sort of Genghis Khan here, mm -hmm. and he tells his crew to douse the craft with fuel and burn it so that they aren't pillaged. So they're dousing their own ship. Yeah. With lighter fluid, essentially, with gas. gas. Green gasoline. Green gasoline, because he'd rather burn his whole ship down than have someone else take it? Yeah. That's what's happening mm -hmm. here. Okay. Um, as they do this, uh, one of the deckhands has like a spacey-looking viewfinder mm -hmm. thing he looks through, and he tells the captain, it's her. It's the bitch herself. Da, da, da. And big we have the big reveal. Instrumental flourish. Of the pirate queen, Caterina Dante. There we is. And here there she is. is. So I'm going to take a moment to just describe what she looks like to me. Okay. Okay. Sure. This is a little lengthy. Really? Okay. Good. Okay. All right. So she's looking incredibly awesome with long, tight, curly black hair which is shot through with one white streak near her face. Mm -hmm. She's stern and sexy and sporting an eye patch mm -hmm. and wearing this pink drapey piratey like crop top <laughs> that shows off these insane abs that she's got yeah. um, with tight leather pants and knee high boots <laughs> that are held, excuse me, thigh high boots that are held up with a leather garter slash utility belt <laughs> with two antique guns and a long leather whip. Yeah. That's her outfit. You want her to I, be your mommy? I don't Oh god no. No, but I I would I would like to uh I would like to know her for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know how well. She's yeah. sort of imposing. Yeah. I don't know that you want to be too close to this woman, but you know. I believe the the note to artist was basically an older Sophia Loren, mm. which I think he nailed. Yeah. I, yeah. Exactly. Mhm. Mm yeah. And I mean, I have to say that this uh, garter leather garter utility belt combo is mm -hmm. just fantastic. Yeah. I'm so into this. It's <laughs> ridiculous and I love it. 
It is. It's so great. Yep. And what are these guns that are in her belt? Can you identify them? I was well, thinking of you when I, I saw mean, the antique lock, guns. There's flintlock pistols. Presumably, mm-hmm. they are more modern than that, and it's just a re- it's like Dante's gun. Dante, they're, they're right? Kind the of Huntsman. Retro reference. Mm-hmm. They're not actually flintlocks because that makes no sense right. at all. Um, but I don't know if we ever discussed it, John Burns and I, because well, I know we didn't. But um, I don't mm-hmm. think we ever really went over that. He just took whatever cues he got from my artwork. Um, so. Okay. I don't know. They're they look like flintlocks. Let's just right. say, but I'm sure I'm sure they're repeaters and okay, a little more practical than flintlocks. So uh, the pirate queen is flanked by uh, another woman with a sort of winter soldier style like metal arm gauntlet and, thing, and boob armor. Um, and I said uh, that also covers one boob. <laughs> one boob. Just one boob. Just the one. Um, and uh, Queenie here says she's surprised to see Captain Sorokin in her territory again as she mm-hmm. boards the ship. Um, she will have to make the punishment beatings more severe, mm. she says. Um, she's so dummy. And I know. And Captain Sorokin, your beatings are second to none. And bows. <laughs> Your beatings are second to none. Beatings are second to none. Because you enjoyed the last one. (laughs) And I was like, I was thinking as I'm reading this, I'm like, is this the best method to, okay. He seems like he's enjoying it. Um, I don't know. And he bows and offers her a box of jewels. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, the queenie surmises that if he's so ready to part with such uh, riches Mm -hmm. in this box of jewels, there must be a lot more on board. Right. Because otherwise. Yeah. Well, you know, he'd be fighting over those jewels. He's trying to so, distract her. Yes, he's trying to distract her with the shiny. It's not working. And she orders uh, them to open the hold. Mm-hmm. And so he protests, Sarakin, and she shoots his companion in the head mm-hmm. almost before said companion can finish daring her to draw on him. <laughs> he's like, just, you go ahead and try. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just cut to the quick here. Yeah. Cut to the chase. And uh, the hatch is opened and a bunch of people are revealed, packed together like sardines. Yeah. And Queenie says she's done and had done to her all manner of things in her life, but she draws the line at slave trading in her waters. Mm-hmm. Her waters. Her waters. So presumably she controls this area yes that's what she said before is that he was he was uh, in her territory captain yeah. sarakin was in her territory yeah. again so he's done this before yeah. um sarakin protests that these are good quality state slaves from rudenstein mm-hmm. um and the governor there is a thief mm. and one of us <laughs> who is never there to protect these people and doesn't care about them and has apparently been drunk for weeks because he because he's sad about quote his woman marrying someone else Okay. So that's the the Jenna wedding. Presumably. Um, And Sarakin says that the slaves will be sold to someone who will take care of them, maybe, because this governor isn't, he implies. And Queenie does not like it. Because slavery is a magnanimous thing like that. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, he really, he's a caring guy. We're all convinced. Hmm. Um, Queenie does not like this. Um, She says she was born on a slave ship and her mother died in a hold like the one that we've just seen revealed Mm -hmm. here, giving birth to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's this amazing quote. She tells this story. She never saw her mother, never heard her voice. And that when she was old enough to understand the slave master of this slave ship she was born on, told me that she had me standing up, her mother. And Mm. that even when she was dead, she was still standing because the hold was packed so tightly. 
and no one could move to pick her up. So she just lay under her mother in the blood and filth. Wow. And that the slave master was the first man I killed, okay, says so Queenie. That's how you make a pirate queen. So a lot of trauma. Mm. There's a lot of trauma in that whole, like, wow. <laughs> just, yeah. whoo, okay. No kidding. Yeah, that's how you make a pirate queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, she follows this up with, like, free the slaves. So basically, <laughs> in summation, what I'm trying to tell you is yes. free the goddamn slaves and maybe I won't blow you up. Right. Um, and Sarakin says, Nyet, and he is doused. He, oh, he says he's doused the slaves with fuel and threatens to burn them with mm-hmm. a torch. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yes, um, as the pirate queen is deciding whether or not to uh, take him at his word, mm-hmm. um, uh, a shot knocks the torch from Sarakin's hand. Risky, risky maneuver. I was just talking about thinking gasoline that, like, hopefully everywhere. doesn't fall on the ship. But mm. I think it does, because even though in these pages we don't really see a fire, like, mm. later on there's a fire. So mm. I'm just assuming it's it's burning off screen somewhere. Um, who in the hell was that, says Sarakin. Diavolo, says Queenie. <laughs> As we see then what she sees, which is Nikolai Dante in full gentleman thief costume zooming in on a ship that then makes a water landing. Hmm. I don't know if it's a water landing. I think, again, it's a, one of these kind of, it's like a hydrofoil or a necranoplan. It's one of these kind of surface ships. It doesn't fly very much. It just goes like a couple of inches above the surface. I see, okay. Yeah. There's, a whole, there's a whole thing um, of these incredible, if you ever look up ekranoplan on the internet, you'll see all these amazing Russian sort of neo aircraft, which basically take advantage of the surface effect over, over, over water. So they can travel at enormous speed a couple of feet above the water. They are technically aircraft, but they they can only go over water. So they're very, very fast and quite large and very impressive looking. And that was a whole thing the Russians were doing before um, before Glasnost. Uh, and there's all these pictures of these old busted up old... What's Glasnost? Uh, what's Glasnost? Yeah. You don't know? No. The openness. It's, what, um, it's, it's the, the breaking down of, of the Russian system in the 80s. That brought about Glasnost, Perestroika, okay. Gorbachev. Oh, okay. Uh, I, just didn't, I just wasn't familiar with Glasnost specifically. It's what the plan was called. It's I called Glasnost, see. the opening of Russia up to the rest of the world. I see. Um, which Mikhail Gorbachev undertook. And um, basically all the, because by that point, basically Russia was, or the Soviet Union was bankrupt. And all these big military plans like the Buran, this, this place plane and the Krano plan, and all these things kind of fell by the wayside. Very great shame because there was all this kind of parallel technology. Lovely stuff. It's kind of exactly the kind of thing we're kind of trying to work into Dante, all this Mm -hmm. weird um, alternate universe technology, which we never quite saw. That's neat. Hydrophiles, Ekranoplan, that kind of thing. So I think this is an Ekranoplan. So you think this is an Ekranoplan? I think so. I'm not 100% sure. Well, the possibly Ekranoplan arrives with Dante in it. Mm -hmm. um, And... uh, uh, he rams the slave ship with this vessel, and um, shrewd move. Yes, there, he just was right in the side. Um, and somewhere attaches a rope to swing from because it's Dante, there's and there's a, a flagpole somewhere. There's, there's always a rope to swing. There is from. a flagpole somewhere, and he is swinging from it. Um, and it it, be a he, toast in Dante's world. Yeah. May there always be a rope to swing from. <laughs> and uh, he kicks Sarakin in the face, nice. and then we get this. Um, 
voiceover from Margie Dumas. I think her, her name Marguerite. is actually Marguerite, but I call Marguerite her Margie. Dumas, yes. I'm, I'm calling her Margie for okay. my purposes. Um, that's I think that's the Winter Soldier boob lady. Yes, that is. Actually, um, exactly yeah, right. Is. She's um, uh, she's the second in command of the Marauder, and uh, she was at uh, I actually drew her in uh, Dante's birth. She oh, was, she was there when Dante cool. was born, so she's been around a long time. Yeah, and she's she's saying in the voiceover she should have recognized the reckless courage of Nikolai because she serves under the same from his mother. Same the pirate queen. Kind of lunacy. Same kind of lunacy. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but that's like a later comment she's making yep. in voiceover. Mm -hmm. uh, for the moment, uh, he is in gentleman thief gear, which we all know means no one no knows one can tell who, who he is. is. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Queenie, even Queenie is stumped by the incredibly complex Dread Pirate Roberts outfit on Dante. <laughs> Though to be fair, she hasn't seen him in like, what, 15 years or. Something yeah, he like that. He was 12 when, when uh, right. she dumped him. So I figure he's in his late 20s, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, he's about right. And uh, Margie, uh, in real time here, notes that whoever this masked man is uh, fights like a demon with pants on fire. Mm. With his pants on fire. And Queenie is teasing Margie that she fancies him. Mm. And Margie says she likes masks. What can you say? That's a, that's a very Robbie line. He She's fights like masks. a demon with his pants on fire. I think I've heard Robbie say that a couple of yeah. times. And I'm sure, I've, I'm sure he's written that elsewhere. I just like that these like pirate women are like discussing their kinks like while they're fighting. <laughs> seems to be baked into, the, <laughs> baked into the design. I mean, she does have the whip, you know. Yep. Um, okay, uh, so Sarakin jump kicks Queenie in the face. Ow. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then he taunts her that she's getting old, she has too many enemies, yada, yada, yada. He's like putting her down. Her bust is very impressive and doesn't yeah. seem to get in the way of anything. Uh, it's she, fights, she fights like a demon, but uh, this, this enormous cleavage is always maybe there. Maybe she's got like a, like a thick leather bra on under there. Impressive, um, whatever it is. And uh, so, yeah, he's, he's Sarakin's like, you know, putting her down as she's recovering from this uh, like sort of drop kick. Mm -hmm. um, and meanwhile, as he's taunting her, she unsheathes her whip, wraps it around Sarakin's neck, and sort of kicks him overboard, I think. Looks like it. And I guess she anchors it somewhere on board because he just basically strangles, hangs to death. Yeah. I don't see any neck snap here, but he's dead pretty quick. Girk. Girk. Yeah. Um, Still a few tricks left in the old bitch yet. Yeah, that's I what, just, that's what Queenie is saying about how herself. How beautifully this water is painted. It's amazing. It's really something, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Done, he's done that before. Mm -hmm. You can tell. Yeah. Um, so now we're seeing that the ship is, is on fire. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that torch did get knocked somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, we're not sure where it started, but, but it's aflame now. And Dante uh, peeks into the hold and tells the slaves to get on his ship. Women and children first. Women and children first. Uh, and then helps himself to some treasure. Which is a convenient treasure chest. It's in a convenient uh, Just treasure so chest. so we all know what it is. Yeah. yeah. It's like your attaché case. When they kept stealing money when the Contessa de Winter oh, yeah, yeah, stole the, money. The, the, and when yeah. in, the, in the past Nikolai and Ellie stole money, it was that same classic that, yes, trademark attaché case. Yeah, yes. Yeah, <laughs> so this is from the same manufacturer. Yes. They also make travel <laughs> treasure chests for all your thievery needs. And large sacks marked <laughs> swag. <laughs> with, with dollar signs or like <laughs> pound signs on them. Um, <laughs> So, in any event, while Complete he's... Complete suit of clothes, covered in arrows. <laughs> so, while he's uh, helping himself to the treasure, um, 
Queenie points a gun at him <laughs> and is like, not so fast there, bub. And Dante says she can afford to lose this. He wants to give it to the slaves to make their lives better. Of course he does. Of course he does. Um, and Queenie is basically agog that he would risk his life for that. Mm -hmm. And Dante tells her that he owes it to them, that they trusted someone would protect them, and now look at where they ended up, and that she wouldn't understand his need to make good. And she agrees that she wouldn't understand that. And he then says, shoot me, and takes his mask off and gets all emo and says, shooting me is no worse than what you've already done to me. And she I'm recognizes distracted him. distracted by the, the line work on her. Yes. Frankly. She it's recognizes just... him as Dante. That, now, oh, yeah, go ahead yeah, and well, talk yeah, about. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Talk uh, about whatever is happening in the story right now. I'm not, I'm, you <laughs> you want to talk about I'm this line looking, work? No, there's nothing much to say except it's stupendous. Why? It's just, it's just the way he's got that whole figure there, the, the way the fabric is wrapping around her, the flourish of that line, the way he's got the foreshortening. It's just masterful. It's amazing stuff. So everything from the perspective to yeah. Yeah. how the fabric is hanging on yep. Queenie here. And her considerable quite Her considerable bosoms. Yes. But uh, yeah, it's just it's a masterful piece of work. I love it. I, I, I really like how, he, how his ink line goes. I'm less... Um, interested in the way he paints uh which is it can be very good but I, it tends to be a little bit murky but uh, the way his ink line is just sublime it's fantastic yeah well uh so she recognizes uh her son just as a burning mast of the ship falls conveniently between them. uh and queenie warns dante to move and he vanishes in the smoke mm -hmm. um queenie and her crew escape and the slave ship burns uh, and the slaves and Dante appear to have safely gotten away. Mm -hmm. um, Margie reports to Queenie that Dante was on a Romanov ship. Her intel shows that it was a mm -hmm. Romanov ship, and Queenie laments that he's one of them now. Mm -hmm. So you remember it was uh, the the past history of how Indeed. Queenie got pregnant with Dante mm -hmm. is not a happy one. So she is upset to see him mm -hmm. associated with the Romanovs this way. Yep. Um, and... Uh, Margie says, you know, a Romanov wouldn't really risk his life for some slaves like Dante just did. That's not very Romanov. Mm. So, like, maybe don't worry just yet that he's been co-opted. Um, and uh, that especially because of how the Romanovs have wronged her, mm -hmm. Queenie here, like, you're, you're really, you're kind of taking a leap to think that he's just immediately thrown his lot in with these people. I love Margie, man. She is, like, right on it. Yeah. She um, is thinking clearly. Yeah, well, she's a good second in command. She's she definitely offering, is. Offering a clear insight. And uh, then uh, Queenie's upset at what she herself has done to Dante, how she's wronged him and says she wants to be alone. And Margie mentions that Dante looks like her. And Queenie stoically lets a few tears fall. You know what else he does? He stands at the end of a comic strip and cries more, uh, atmospherically, just like you do, ma'am. <laughs> But you Same know, shot. she. You know what really would have sold this is if she had been in Prussian blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You looking, know, we really needed the, the, side, the looking like, off to the side mm -hmm. in the Prussian blue, or possibly the black and white, which mm -hmm. is another yeah, yeah. effect mm -hmm. of when something yeah. sad is happening. Yep. Um. So yeah. So that's our first uh, story. Cool seas. Yeah. With uh, the pirate queen with Dante's yeah. mom. Great intro. And our first John M. Burns. Yeah. Love the way he draws hands. Yeah. Look at the hands here. Guys. Yeah. It makes it look so easy. 
So we are now moving on to Requiem for Lost Love. Uh, who wrote it? Who drew it? Who lettered it? Same team as before. Same team as before. Robert Gardner Morrison, John M. Burns, and Annie Parkhouse. All right, then. Um, and uh, we open on a quote from Dante Alighieri. Uh, drink, we have a Dante on Dante. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely drink if you have a beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the quote is, there is no greater sorrow than to remember happiness when miserable. <laughs> Very wise. Um, and this is overlaying um, Dante holding out the compact of the that opens and has the 3D hologram of his wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is drifting along forlorn uh, on a chess horse through a dark wood, yeah. looking at his compact. Mm-hmm. Um, the representation here is a little off of this compact. Mm. Um, it's it's not really the right body position. It doesn't really look like Ellie, but yeah, okay. Well, you know, um, we'll, Burns, we'll get Burns into, does what Burns wants to do. We'll get into that more later. <laughs> but um, in any event... Uh, Dante is musing that he's saved, people say he saved the empire, the universe. Who is saying this, Dante? You are saying this. <laughs> people, those people that yeah. live in my head, called yeah. my ego, uh, say that I've saved the empire, the universe, but I couldn't save the woman I love. <sighs> um, and I was, just as I was about to think that Dante is like having some like bipolar episode because it was like, you know, so he's self, drinking for... Self-pitch Dante. Well, he's drinking for weeks as of mm. the last episode oh, yeah, we hear. Yeah. He's drinking for weeks about Jenna and now he's in the dumps about Ellie and I was like, whoa, like this is whiplash. Mm. Uh, but Maria Beria, thank God for Maria, has a little voiceover mm-hmm. um, uh, about uh, her book, Nikolai Dante, Hellraiser Extraordinaire. Um, and she is telling us that since 2667, Dante has apparently disappeared on the same day every year, uh, the day his estranged, then reunited wife, Eloise de Janissier, de Janissier yes. uh, died. So that's our Ellie. It would be good if she actually had a date for that book, because then I would, we'd know how many years it happened, because this is only 2668. Right, it's so been like only, a year. So, so this, this is, is like, like the second time it's happened, or the first time This is the happened. first time it's happened. Yeah. So she's... Uh, this, this book has been written sometime in the future. We don't right. really know how we don't far know how far. We don't know how many years he did this. But yeah, it's, it'd be interesting to, yeah, know. It'd be interesting um, to know. So he floats past this gruesomely crucified dead body yeah. with a sign around its neck promising death and defilement to all who transgress the laws of Domacha province. Impaled and crucified. Yes, impaled and crucified. Because crucifixion ain't enough. Okay. Um, in a, I'm assuming, nearby town square, mm-hmm. a couple of peasants, Yosef and a pregnant Rebecca, are trying to escape pursuit by a mean, bald dude in a cape yep. and armor. Um, got baddie written all over him. Yes, definitely. Metaphor- metaphorically I mean, speaking. Mustache, the whole bit. I mean, just like baddie, you yeah. know. Um, I like how he's wearing a corset, though. Yeah, you know, Because he's important. self-conscious. <laughs> A uh, mean dude and his henchmen shoot Joseph in the leg and grab Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Um, and mean dude monologues that they should just follow his laws rather than go through all this peril. Can I just, can I just point out this, the, gun, the guns these guys have got? We, well, you're skipping ahead. Am I? Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so follow um, his laws, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what? Uh, and, yeah. So he's saying basically follow his laws instead of going through all this peril. And then he's lecturing Rebecca on how she's an unfit mother mm-hmm. because she's clearly running for her life when she should be on bed rest or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and he tells his henches to strip her and take their time doing whatever 
and make sure her husband sees how long and painful it is. <sighs> and thank God Dante arrives and kicks Mean Dude in the back mm. and asks if that was painful enough and if he'd like it to last longer, he can try touching the girl again. Mm. So now we're at your guns. Right, sorry. Again, Dante preventing rape. Yes. Right, that's, that's uh, his... his what did you want to say about these guns? The guns? No, I just thought no, nobody, I mean, no one who was born after 1969 would draw a gun that way, would design a gun that way. It's it's, it's a very, very retro gun. It kind of almost looks like something to, like, um, pipe frosting onto a cake. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like sort of cone-shaped. Cone-shaped sort of neo-crossbows. Mm. Um, I'm kind of fascinated by that. It would never occur to me to design something that looked like that. Yeah. So I'm kind of impressed by it. Anyway. I mean, they almost Sorry. kind of look like rockets as well. Yeah, well, they're kind of burning bolts. Yeah. Maybe that was written to the script. I don't know. Maybe so. Um, so, uh, right. So the henchman opened fire on Dante, and he covers the couple with fire from the huntsman mm -hmm. as he hurries them into a church to take mm -hmm. cover. Yep. Um, mean Dude then finally introduces himself. Um Khan, Genghis Khan. <laughs> As Andre Volk. Okay. Uh, governor of Domacha province. Mm -hmm. Domacha province. And rants that he'll find no sanctuary in the church uh, as it's outlawed there because he wants to be the top dog and not compete with God. Hmm. Uh, oh, and he's also the czar's executioner. Hmm. Okay. Um just in case you were doubting his, his pedigree as a baddie. Mm -hmm. um, Volk and Dante then banter a little bit about how Volk liked to execute people for the czar by strangling them while staring into their eyes. Nice. Yeah. That's actually what my comment is as well. Nice. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and uh, he... Underline his nefariousness. I mean, we're really laying it on thick here. Trouble. Um, he's going to kick a puppy in, in a minute. You sure. know, and then sort of tread uh, um, on a kitten or something. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, what's his name, the the dentist from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Yes. What about him? You, do you know that song? I the You'll Be a I Dentist. Don't, I don't remember. Um, uh, I'd poison guppies, and when I was done, I'd find a pussy cat and bash in its head. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Shooting puppies with a BB gun. That's what he starts with. Really? I'd poison guppies, and when I was done, I'd find a pussycat and bash in its head. That's when my mama said, what did she say? She said, son, I think someday you'll find a way to make a natural something day's pay. You'll be a dentist, be a dentist. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. You song. don't know this? I, Have you seen Little Shop of Horrors? I don't remember. Oof. Maybe. Maybe I did. Okay, so we're going to watch that. Are we? Our list is growing. So we're going to do Little Shop of Horrors. It's a great musical. You'll love it. Okay. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure it is. Um, uh, it's Ellen it. Green, man. Okay. I don't know. One of the best voices of Broadway in the 80s. I mean, okay. Just excellent. Anyway. Okay, so Steve, Wrath of Khan. Steve Martin. I'll play the dentist. He sure did. There you go. Uh, in the original film, it was. Rick Moranis was in there. Yeah, Rick Moranis. In the mm -hmm. original film, the dentist was, um, what's his name? Jack Nicholson. Ah, good casting. Uh, yes. Yes, very much so. So we have to watch Wrath of Khan, Working Girl, and now Little Shop of Horrors. So mm. you've got one to add to the list. You, you, I've put okay. two on, so you've got something else you can have me watch. Okay. All right. right. Just we're keeping track. Are we? Um, okay. You never know. Our our irregulars might want to watch along with us. You never know. Should we make a movie list? I mean, we're kind of doing it through these episodes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I'm into it. Mm -hmm. um, these are all 80s movies so far, right? Wrath of Khan was 80s. 
or 90s, yeah, yeah, 80s, 80s, 80s. It's like 82 or something? Yeah, because sure. Little Shop of Horrors is definitely 80s, and so is Working Girl, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Working Girl is the 80s movie. How would you know? You've never even seen it. I think I have seen it. I'm pretty sure I've seen okay. Working Girl. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, you thought it was about a prostitute for a minute, so. Yeah, I can't remember. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, it's got Melanie Griffith and Sigourney Weaver. And yes, it does. Harrison Ford in it, one of his last romantic roles. It I has think. all of those things. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. and it's directed so, by Mike Nichols. Yes. So, um, right. So let's get back to the story. <laughs> let's remind yeah. where we are. Sorry. So Volk and Dante are bantering about how Volk liked to execute people while staring into their eyes. So yes, that was my Finally comparison was that it was like the, the dentist in, in Little Shop Wars. We're just laying it on every single thing to make this guy just repugnant. Yep. Um, but what's funny is that he follows up by giving Dante and the couple a very reasonable 10 minutes to surrender. <laughs> so he's like, I strangle people to death while staring into their eyes. I rape women. But 10 minutes... Uh, yeah. You have to get your shit together. <laughs> like, Just to make it fun for so both So reasonable, of us. yeah. Um, uh, or they're going to come in and kill them. So mm -hmm. Rebecca picks up Dante's wedding hologram little compact thing yeah. and returns it to him. And she tells him that their crime was apparently falling in love. And Dante says, that's Idiots. a dangerous game. <laughs> uh, and apparently when mm. Volk retired as executioner... He was given Domacha province to rule and instituted Prima Nocta uh -huh. because he's a big Braveheart fan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like probably that never existed. It definitely didn't exist in the time of Braveheart. It's yeah. Just, they just I mean, made it's, that up for the movie. It's, it's debated by a lot of people heavily whether it ever existed. It mm -hmm. certainly shows up in literature a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but it's probably Sir Walter Scott invented it. It was you. actually in Gilgamesh. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. They mention it in Gilgamesh, not by that term prima nocta, mm -hmm. but but the the whole having the bride, uh, uh, having the bride before the groom has her kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, it's also in Henry the Sixth, Part Two, apparently. Yeah. Okay. So it shows up in a lot of places. It's it's basically a very dramatic narrative device. We know that for sure. Yeah. Whether it actually existed or not, don't know. But yeah. it's happening here in the future. Um, and yeah, you wouldn't so, know it was the future, though, would you? Yeah. You really wouldn't. Uh, not at this point. Um, so uh, this couple, Rebecca and Joseph, married in secret to mm -hmm. avoid this uh, prima nocta, yep. which we should say, I mean, probably everyone listening to this knows what we're referring to. But prima nocta is where the, uh, in this case, the governor, ruling king, whatever, um, of a region gets to sleep with uh, the bride on her wedding night before her husband does. Hmm. That's prima nocta, right? Yeah. Rights to the wife. Um, so uh, they got married in secret to avoid that. And then Rebecca got knocked up. So it couldn't really be a secret anymore that they were married because hmm. she's clearly pregnant. Um, so these crazy kids are apparently trying to make it to Rudenstein, which is, quote, governed by a just and noble man. Funny how the word travels on that one. <laughs> Dante's taking out ads. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's against the, you know, the advertising campaign of him with his underpants and his Right, head. right. I was he's just like, thinking he's that. Brought out, he's got another advertising campaign mm -hmm. to like, like, Rudenstein, land of opportunity. <laughs> Chance to begin again. A golden land of opportunity and event. No, yes, that's, another, indeed. that's another thing. Indeed. Um, so Dante actually says some might argue that fact, the Justin Nobleman thing, mm -hmm. uh, but says he was also on his way to Rudenstein to build a memorial to Ellie. Oh, because that'll help. I mean, listen, you know, 
guys need to make things. You do know we? about this. Do we? Yes. Oh. This is making things. Well, that explains my day. Yeah. What did you make today? I, I did. I made a lot of marks, ink marks, and yes, paper. Yes, you did. That's true. A lot. You did a lot of drawing. A lot of inks today. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, the kids remind uh, Dante of himself and Ellie when they were first married. He says. Oh. But he confesses he ran out on her when she needed him the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says. When we met again years later, she said we'd both become what we always hated, though in the end she proved she hadn't. The jury's still out on me. Now, now yeah. we need well, to pause you, for a moment. You here. already know, know what, what I'm going say. to say. I, I said we'd get to it later. Gotcha. And we are getting to it now. What is this image of Ellie? Like, what in the whitewashing boobs popping out is going on here? Like, while they were whitewashing Ellie, they also washed her vest in hot water because it shrunk in the wash. Mm-hmm. It is teeny. I actually flip back yeah. to your vest and your drawing of Ellie in the beginning of the great game, and my God, it's like they're not the same garment. It's yeah. like... This is like the baby size version of that vest. So this is the disadvantage of having maybe an older artist working on this. Yeah. I mean, this is... I mean, okay. In fairness, John Burns' career has been an awful lot about um, female nudity, mm-hmm. which he's very good at, by the way. Uh, but yeah, um, objectifying women as female characters is kind of part of what his whole business I mean, model is. I get it. I get how when you're coming from a pulp background and you have the hero that is like crying over Hmm. his lost love who is like a badass like Mm -hmm. that you're sort of idealizing her so i don't love that she's sexualized here right i don't love it but it's dante's memory of her so arguably if dante wants to show her boobs popping out in his memory then he's showing her boobs popping out she's a sexual being to him but her skin is unforgivable here it is unforgivable she is white it is not cool i i don't know if if Burns just maybe did he didn't realize that Ellie was black? I thought I made it pretty clear. I mean, what can I say? It's she is light skinned. Yeah. Because she's mixed race. Yeah. So, it's possible that he didn't realize. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that because I don't see he he is he has already drawn a really cool looking black character in the second in mm-hmm. command for Queenie. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that there's malice in any of this, to be honest with you. No, I think I it was just I, I a fudge think up. So and I I wouldn't like to imply that was the case. But yeah, yeah I think no, it's just I think it was just a fudge up. I think we tend to default to certain mm-hmm. things. And um if you don't if you don't see black people a lot, you tend to default to what you see a lot, which is white people. Yeah. He lives in the south of England. You know what she um, kind of reminds me of here too. Uh, his image of Ellie is sort of like a a souped up um, Sigourney Weaver and alien. Right. You know what I mean? Hmm. I guess aliens. Is that the one where she's got all the guns and she's in like yeah, the yeah, yeah, outfit? Yeah, yeah. 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 Aliens. Yeah. So I mean, anyway. Well, in fairness, Sigourney Weaver from Aliens is kind of like a the the, the benchmark for badass sci-fi women. Yeah. But she's not the sexualized one. She's not. I mean, Sigourney Weaver is not sexualized in that part at all. And yet we... And, and yet... yet did. that's all you see is these sexualized yet, versions of... Yes. I mean, uh, what I will say is that uh, it's interesting. It's like 
you know, a woman being in command. I mean, I'd have to look at pictures of Sigourney Weaver again. I have a particular image in my head of her with the guns mm -hmm. and straps across her from Alien that's sort of popping into my head. Yep. But, you know, in retrospect, these things have become sexualized because she's a powerful woman, right? So she's mm -hmm. a powerful woman. She's asserting her power. She's got a lot of firepower. She's leading the team. And that is sexy, Right? Anybody right. being powerful and commanding She's, and forthright is sexy. And Sigourney Weaver is but it's not about an attractive her body. person. No, no it's, it's not. not about her body. It's, it's not, not about her beard skin. No, it's not. But, you know, it's 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 interesting to me because this, this struck me as a very Ripley kind of shot. Sort of hmm. somewhere between Linda Hamilton and Terminator 2 and Ripley but shot. Yet more Barbarella than both. Yes, yes. Um, so anyway, oh boy, Ellie... Okay. Anyway. So, moving right along. So, um, as he's thinking about Ellie in his mind's eye, and this is mm -hmm. a strange image of Ellie, um, he, we are drawn back to the present, as he says, uh, the jury's still out on him mm -hmm. not becoming what he hated, and he's looking at the compact, and the henchmen have decided now the 10 minutes is up. Yep. They fire into the church and hit the compact square on and destroy it, mm -hmm. shatter it. Interesting we, that they use their 10 minutes there for a moment of exposition. Yes. Rather than like doing anything. Rather useful. than like, you know, crafting a plan. Yeah. Um, and uh, we have kind of an overhead shot of the church uh, where we're looking from above um, at a big crucifix that's hanging mm -hmm. from the ceiling. And we're looking down at the melee as the henchmen come into the church and are sort of destroying it and firing into it. Um, I like the crucifix. He's, he seems to have actually designed a, a crucifix from like northern Russia. Mm. Um, from my rough research, I would say that's very um, uh, ethnically correct. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, he just destroyed the Ellie compact in mm -hmm. our like sad Ellie moment. So like this means war, right? Yeah. It's on sure. now. So they're busting into the church and Dante shoots the giant crucifix down from the ceiling on top of them. Why not just shoot them? Because this is more dramatic. Surely shooting them would be better. <laughs> just shoot them. I mean, that's what the gun's for. I don't get it. Uh, and um, Robbie, just shoot them. <laughs> and it uh, takes out some of, a bunch of the henchmen, uh, but Volk grabs Rebecca mm -hmm. and threatens to murder her and kill her baby if Dante mm -hmm. doesn't drop the huntsman. Mm -hmm. So Dante does put down the huntsman and faces off with Volk, who immediately gets his hands around Dante's throat to satisfy his choking fetish. Yep. Um, the crest is begging Dante to use his bio blades while Volk is monologuing about how much fun he had giving no mercy when his victims begged for their lives and mm -hmm. he tore open their throats and right. was covered in their blood. Good yeah. times. These are happy memories for him. Um, mm -hmm. Dante tells the crest he's not going to use his bio blades because he used to be another type of man and he wants to be that type of man again. I don't understand this at all. Yeah. I don't understand this, what he's trying to say here at all. Like, know. is he rejecting the Romanov part of him? So he's just going to use brute force. But like, I don't, I but why? I don't, I don't know. I don't anyway, know. so fine. He's not going to use his bio blades is basically all we need to know mm -hmm. there. And so he dislocates Volk's shoulders by wedging his feet onto Volk's chest and pushing him back slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, is that possible? I don't know if that's... I'm, well, I'm, Dante did not miss leg day at the gym, clearly, because he look is... Look at the size of Volk's arms. They must be... They're bigger than his legs. I mean, also, he'd have to push him back enough 
and then forcefully enough, I guess yeah, he, he's, he's sort a, of kicking out here at the end. He's at a disadvantage. He's at a, a leverage disadvantage, too. Yeah. Because Volk is bearing down on him, so gravity yeah, yeah. is working you, with Volk. How does he get his legs up that far? I mean, I don't, it doesn't I, make any sense. I anyway. don't know. But he dislocates his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then he tells Volk to look at him mm-hmm. and snaps his neck with his boots while Volk cries no. So Dante's not showing mercy, quote, even if he begs. Yeah. Dante's being... A badass here is what yeah. this is. Doesn't look like he's being strangled we're either. S- no, we're supposed to. I mean, he's rubbing his neck here after he kills yeah. Volk. But, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of just stacked this up so that we would really hate this guy. So that Dante can be, like, unrepentantly yeah. nasty to kill him if he's and bad brutal enough. in how yeah. he kills him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I like the last shot there of the, the church in the village. Yeah, the destroyed church. It's nice. Very cool. We get, a, cool we get an exterior like shot like after the, Dante yeah, is dispatched full. Very lovely. So cut to Rudenstein, the governor's mansion, sometime mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. And also, what's this mansion stuff? Like, last mm. we saw this place, it was the Ewok village. But now we have this, like, beautiful... Well, listen, like, we didn't see the governor's mansion. I didn't draw the governor's mansion. Maybe that's what it looks like. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I just the, didn't the, remember Rudenstein ever being this like nicely settled in parts. Like, there's I mean, there, also there big there buildings good behind bits. it. I mean, it doesn't look great. It looks a bit run down, frankly. Right. But so yeah. Um. Yeah, it's a big place. Okay. Um. A bunch of hot broads in green low-cut silk dresses are tending to Dante and his new friends inside the mansion. His his, his employment practices are laid bare. Uh, yes, indeed. Um. It's like the same agency that hires the Robert Palmer girls, like as the backup band. They also have these ladies in the green dresses on offer. Um, So you can type? Wow, that's uh, that's an extra. (laughs) Um, And uh, he tells uh, the ladies to set up the couple until their baby is born and basically pamper them. Mm. Um, These kids are shocked to find out that Dante is uh, the, the Rudenstein hero. Hmm. Um, and Rebecca asks how they can ever thank him for risking his life and losing his only reminder of Ellie in the process. And Dante asks them to name the baby Eloise if it's a girl hmm. and tell her to stay away from men like him. Okay. There's a sort of sm- uh, a smirk there at the end there. So I'm like, eh. Yeah, it's a little... It, it I'm sorry, it, sh- it should have been toned in Prussian blue. I was blue. just about to say, it, it should have been, been a little lo- more Prussian don't, blue. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't name your daughter after, you know, name your... Don't, don't let your daughter hang out with guys like me. Mama, Moody stare into the middle distance. Mama, don't let babies grow up to be cowboys. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like that. Like that. Cowboys. Yeah. But, you know, the end. The end. Um, and so we have come to the end of the second Hachette book that we are yeah. reading through. Yeah. That um, volume 73. Volume 73. Of the Ultimate Collection 2008. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Thoughts? Thoughts. Right. On a whole? We began with the great game. No, oh, yeah. And we okay. have ended on this new era of Dante when John and Burns is I coming mean, the last in two episodes are definitely like on the on the kind of like contemplative, morally responsible Dante side. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely being a bit more decent and honorable and moody and brooding. So good art choice for that because it's very moody and brooding. And getting back to Rudenstein and like trying to help people. I like that yeah. there are consequences for the fact that he's just been kind of pissing about like yeah. going around doing all these adventures with his weird Romanov siblings and like people are being, you know, while he's gone mm-hmm. and not there to to look over things. Yeah. Um, being taken away in slave ships and, and treated yeah. real bad. and 
good for Dante. Yeah, it's like it's nice to see that there are stakes and he's coming back and he's. Yeah, I mean it's it's a well it's they're they're well executed pieces. Yeah. Um, I think it's a nice underline under where we are with the character at this stage, before what happens next, which All is right. a, very, a very big story. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm pretty pleased with it. All right. Looks good. I mean, I know that I had anything to do with it, but yeah. <laughs> Um, well, uh, we've got a couple of questions here yeah. that I wanted to relate to you. Questions. First of all, I just wanted to say, I, I mentioned this to you the other night, just because mm -hmm. I think it's so weird, and I wanted mm -hmm. to mention it on the podcast in case someone listens and knows a little bit more about this. Hmm. Uh, Font Solo Font. Um, found a 2004 James Bond video game called Everything or Nothing, where there is a character called Nikolai Diavolo. Hmm. And he is a bad guy portrayed by Willem Dafoe. Good choice if you're going to get a bad guy. Yeah. Um, I, I was not aware of that. Um, periodically, we see kind of echoes of things out in the world. And you go, is that, could that be influenced by? I mean, by? Nikolai Diavolo um, yeah. is a hell of a coincidence if it's a coincidence. It's, it, it, yes, very possibly. There's also a character in Torchwood who turns up to... Uh, former, uh, yes. A former lover of... Uh, John Hart. John Hart, yes. Uh, yes. Who, who a lot of people at the time said to me, or screamed to me very loudly, wait a minute, that's Nikolai Dante. And I went, yeah. it's not dissimilar. I have not watched that bit since uh, becoming aware of Dante, so I'm going to have to rewatch that. Hmm. Um, I remember really loving the character. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people did. Um, but good character. James yeah, Marsters, great casting. Good old James Marsters. Um so, yeah, so if anyone knows anything about this Nikolai Diavolo, James Bond villain, definitely let us know. I couldn't find anything on a quick search that I did, so. Mm, I haven't played the game um, for sure. I don't know. Uh, Bad Andy has a question. Bad Andy. Bad Andy. Um, Bad Andy. <laughs> with Penguin adapting some tooth properties for audio dramas, what about Dante, who would play him? What does he sound like in your head? Now, you joked that this he sounds like Robbie in your head. That's because every time Robbie used to phone me up to tell me what was happening, he'd read Dante's dialogue out and his accent, and it'd be like that. Um, so, yes, Dante's voice for me is, is Robbie's. But what do you think about... Actors? Do you have any thoughts about who, who would do a good Dante? I mean, okay. Back in the day... The casting choice. I did. I don't know if I mentioned this before. Okay. I, I feel. I, I feel. I have said have. this before, which is the casting. To me, you have. Well, I don't know if I said it on the podcast. But anyway, no, not on the um, podcast. I don't the think. the original casting choices we had, which is like back in the nineties, um, were a, a young aspiring actor called Ben Affleck, who at that point I think I'd just seen in Chasing Amy, um, and then um, another not very well known young actress who was very very good called Angelina Jolie. Mm. Um, uh, who, uh, for Jenna. For Jenna, who's, who then went on to much greater things, obviously. Indeed. So yeah, And they're obviously now way too old for the parts. And I've told you, I think we can do better than Ben Affleck, even yes. even in the I late know. 90s. I think um, you may be right. But, uh, yeah. uh, but in any event, but, but in terms of audio drama, the voice, audio do we drama. want Dante to sound Russian? We do, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that makes or any sense. Or does it matter? I mean, it's kind of like how they say that... Um, well, Dante wasn't raised in Russia, you have to remember. He was raised on a pirate ship. On a pirate ship. ship. And also, I mean, you know, it's like they say so that speaks the, the southern <laughs> accent... Arr! Sorry. Hmm? Sorry. The southern accent, uh, especially in and around Virginia, they think, um, theorize, sounds like how British people used to talk. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, 
how these dialects come across, you know, and immigrate to an area where they don't exist, and then they sort of get preserved in amber. They sort yeah, of get stuck like there. Yeah, Australian is a, a derivative of Cockney. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, so it stands to reason that that Dante would, even if he was influenced by Russia to some degree, would would not have a Russian accent. Yeah, I don't know what I mean. I don't think Caterina Dante is Russian. She's she's Italian, I think. Mm. Um, so. Who knows what his Who accent knows? sounds yeah. like? Um, frankly, it's probably best to default to some kind of generic uh, Royal Shakespeare company because it's just what everybody does. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have an American accent, I'm afraid. Mm. Just, that's just not going to happen. Right. Um, and Scottish accent probably would sound silly to most people. So, yeah, it's going to have to be some sort of generic um, BBC RSC accent. I don't know who, though. I don't really know anything about young actors these days. James McAvoy, maybe. I don't even remember what his voice sounds like. Um, he's got a good. He's got a, a kind of good light, but firm. He can do. He can do all kinds of different right. vocal tones. I Let's think. Say I think, James McAvoy. It's just say James McAvoy. Let's say James know, just McAvoy. for the for the sake of argument, because um, he is Scottish. So that he is. I was going to say helps. he's Scottish. Yeah. yeah I mean, um, it would be nice to give a fellow Scot a job. There you go. Um, uh, so Gavin Leahy. Mm-hmm. Um. He said some nice things in our Facebook group, which, by mm-hmm. the way, if you have not Thanks, joined Gav. it. Yes, thank you, uh, Gavin. Um, look up the Great Dante Read-Through on Facebook. We have a community there um, so that I don't just feel like I'm talking to myself. Uh, some of you have jumped in. Oh. But uh, Gavin uh, posted there uh, that he wants to know if there were any other Dante stories or arcs that you wish you drew for whatever reason. Oh, oh God. Uh, yeah, a bunch of them. Um, but I wouldn't go back and change anything. I mean, there's no. Yeah, that but would be, that would not be very uh, fair. Th- that that aside. I mean, I'd love to have drawn all of it. I mean, that would have been my 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 dream. Um, there isn't anything that sticks uh, out to you immediately. To the top of my head at the moment. Um, I mean, I I, I would have, I would have liked to have drawn the cruel seas. Okay, um, yeah, to a, draw. That would have been and to I mean obviously she's a very important figure. Catherine right. Dante is a very important figure, so I'd have liked to design that character. But I don't think I'd have done better than what Burns right. did. And he did a brilliant job, obviously. So, you know, So there great. you go. Yeah. Can't complain. Can't complain. Um, and uh, uh, Gavin also said, I, I thought I'd mention that he has fond memories of the 40th anniversary 2000 mm. AD con. Oh, so do uh, we. Uh, we really do. Talking to you at the bar on the night before the first day to say hi. Oh. He was talking about how much he admired your work. And then in the middle of your chat, uh, they were interrupted by Jacques, uh, Dom Reardon, and Al Ewing. Yeah. And this is his memory. It's like, oh, I'm chatting with Simon about how much I love his work. And then these guys cons crash. Are the, cons are the worst because you get like five minutes talking to people. And it's the same for me too because I get I, I get to meet some of my heroes at cons and people I, whose work I really like. And it's like it's always like, oh, you're talking away to Walt Simonson and then her chicken butts. And it's like, damn. I think he was very happy to be interrupted by these three. That was the sense I got is that he was like dazzled. Oh, really? That oh, well, suddenly oh, he's good. talking to you and excited about that. And then suddenly these other luminaries become part of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, Listen, that's that's what I got. Um, Cons, never long enough. You never get enough talk, chance really to talk true. to people it's the really way you true. want to. Um, um, it would be nice if there were more cons and we could do that. I'm looking forward to more cons, actually. Oh, my God. What a, what a dream to have, right? Um, <sighs> So a uh, couple more points to wrap up here. Um, so the other names that Wooly Russell came up with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reed Thrusiasts. <laughs> ladies, ladies and New Gentlemen, which, oh, Wooly. 
God. <laughs> I love that you're trying to do something with my name. That's so adorable. Um, and uh, Little Simonsters I loved as well because that's Lady Gaga's li- little uh, monsters. Yes. I don't know. Czar whores. <laughs> sure. Crestafarians. <laughs> Vladimir cats, which I love and I'm going to use at some point. Okay. I don't know where, but that's I'll hysterical. work that in somewhere because that is really funny. <laughs> um, so thank you, Willie. Um, and finally, um, OctroBriannaWithLove.com yes. will get you to the Kickstarter for OctroBriana. It is in its final 24 hours left of the campaign as of this taping. Yep. So by the time we release this, there will be less hours left. Uh, the campaign uh, allegedly ends on Wednesday, May the 26th at 8 p.m. East, uh, EDT. Yes. So that's like Eastern time Um, new york time and uh we wanted to mention that there's actually a special tier that -hmm. involves mr simon yeah um the simon fraser original art commission tier Mm -hmm. so for 700 dollars canadian which is 410 pounds sterling gotta love that the power of that pound Mm. uh and 580 us um, you can get a Simon Fraser original art, 11 by 17 black and white commission of your choice. Mm-hmm. And you also get Octobriana with love all three covers with the exclusive covers in there, a pack of trading cards, postcard set, infographic poster, and digital copy of the comic. All the things. So all the things that's still available. Octobrianawithlove.com will get you to the Kickstarter. Yeah, I'll do something nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're closing the book on Dante for today. Oh, my God. But we will be back next week with The Courtship of Jenna, <laughs> Jenna Makarov, part one. We have to break it into yep. two parts, like the great game. It's a big one. Um, we hope you enjoyed our podcast, and if so, please subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave us ratings and reviews wherever you can. Please tell your friends to come join the read-through. Follow us on Twitter at PodTGDR. Let us know what you think of the podcast of Dante Comics, whatever is on your mind. I'm Edie. And I'm Simon. And we will catch you next time. Bye.